0: Welcome to the Existential Edge Podcast, presented by the United States Association for Small Business and Entrepreneurship. How is entrepreneurship transforming university environments? What are its most compelling lessons? How can an entrepreneurship program make maximum impact on its ecosystem and change the lives of students and others in the process? Join Patrick J. Murphy. Goodrich Endowed Chair, Professor, and Director of the Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Alabama at Birmingham as he hosts leading entrepreneurs from across the country and beyond for provocative and insightful discussions of these and other questions.
1: Welcome everybody to the Existential Edge podcast. I am Patrick J. Murphy, Goodrich Chair at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. And on this show, we talk with entrepreneurs all over the country about who they are. We talk about their business and we talk about their views on entrepreneurship education. Today, we are very excited to have Mr. Raheem Robinson here. He is the CEO and founder of Dreamheim Studios. They're a tech focused motion design company that specializes in producing animated explainer videos, and we're going to learn all about what they do. I know um, personally that they've had some big clients and they're making a big splash and they're doing a lot of really world class work. And we're going to learn all about that. But before we do that, we're going to learn about Raheem Robinson, who is here with me today. Welcome to the show, Raheem.
0: Hey, uh, Dr. Patrick, thank you for having me, man. I'm excited
1: about it. It's great to have you here. So Raheem, the way we do this show typically is we talk a little bit about you first. And so I'm just Mm going to turn it over to you. What I'd like you to do, if you could, is uh, go way back, man, into your values, into your history. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is that makes you who you are and has made you become who you are, Uh, we'd like to learn a a little bit about that. And I'll ask some questions along the way, but we'll take about 15 minutes to do that.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, man, so I I think I met you probably like my second year here in Birmingham. I've been here for about four years now, but I'm, I'm from Mississippi. So I lived in Mississippi my whole life before moving here to Birmingham Uh, and just grew up real country guy. I love horses. Um, You know, we had like, we had horses. I rode them growing up, Uh, just love being in the country, stuff like that. So it was cool, you know, very simple, humble beginnings, things like that in Mississippi. Um, And just like, you know, throughout high school and college, things like that. I was, um, I was in Mississippi. I also went to Mississippi state for college um, and there, I mean, it, w- it was nice, you know, it was home, so I studied software engineering. Uh, well, I guess I back up, I went to, my first college was EMCC, East Mississippi Community College, and there I studied nursing. Uh, I worked in ER for a couple years while I was doing that. It was really interesting, like, I really liked it. I enjoyed the people, um, the job came to me pretty easy. But then I was like, man, I love computers though. Like I always grew up loving any type of like games, computers, you know, unhooking them, taking them apart, things like that. Cause it just isn't much to do with Mississippi, you know? You can't just like go out to the, you know, to the bowling alley or to the skate park, stuff like that. So I was just like, most of the time, just like either making up stuff at home or like taking apart computers and stuff. Um, But that was one thing that I felt was just missing when I was in the ER. So, man, uh, I had like an off semester before nursing school started. So I was was like, man, I'm going to go to Mississippi State and just study software engineering, see how I like it. And during my first semester, I got introduced to coding and development and whatnot. And I was just hooked. I was like, man, this is just like super cool. I love, uh, you know, and it came to me pretty easy. And then I was back like around the computers. So that just felt good to me. But I guess as time went on and I just started to realize, you know, that the software engineering just really wasn't it, because it was still something missing. It was just like that little bit of creativity that I felt like I always had, whether it was like the way that I dressed or, you know, just being a part of the like being in the different art classes and things like that and actually taking them serious. It was never like a computer creativity like now, but I always just like, had something there. And I guess I didn't really realize that until I was only around computers and structure and development. I was like, I gotta, I gotta get out. So, um, so that's when I took, that's when I went to this one marketing class and I had met Keith, who is the CEO of Socially In, who I actually ended up doing an unpaid internship with. And then they moved, they were a marketing agency and they ended up moving to Birmingham. And when they moved, I moved shortly after. And that's actually how I ended up in Birmingham. It was like from that unpaid internship in a, uh, in a major that I didn't really like. And I just met someone, you know, randomly. So it was it was really interesting and it was cool. And when the offer came, I mean, I just up
1: and moved to Birmingham.
0: It, was, it only took me like, I mean, two weeks to make the decision.
1: That is huh. That is amazing. And there's a lot to unpack there but I, I have another question for you, a more specific question if you could go back and talk about your earliest formative experiences Raheem like you know you you went into nursing you got interested in computers there's some curiosity or something there and I want to know where that came from and how you how you got that remember we talk about education on this mm-hmm. podcast so we really want to know like how you learned to grow and see the world so take us back mm-hmm. to some early early memories or experiences if you could. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I mean, I've just always been super curious, just like from uh, as early as I can remember. I just always like if it was something I just wanted to touch it. I wanted to see what it did. Um, If I was watching anything on TV, I don't know if you remember like like the shows on Discovery Channel, like how it works, where they like take you through the factory and show you like how stuff is made and how it's done, things like that. Dirty jobs, all that type of stuff. I don't know, man. I was always just been interested in in just like so many things that I've been interested in. Like if I like it, then I like it a lot. And I just like want to dig into it uh, and things like that. Um, But like with school, school was always pretty easy for me at the beginning, you know, because at the beginning, it's really just a lot of regurgitating whatever they said the week before and things like that. And that just really never uh, that really challenged me like that but I think it's probably why I was so curious in other things out um, outside of school at the beginning I guess you know the first things um yeah like you, would, you're
1: talking about you're talking about the curiosity with the TV shows is that just the way you're made or was it a person in your life like your family or did you see something that just blew your mind like what caused you to be that way
0: that I don't know man I, I think Hmm. I mean, I haven't really. I don't. I don't think that there's really just like an an incident that happened. Like I said, it's just always been like that for me. You know, mm-hmm. if it was either, whether it was like glass and and it, and it wasn't always good. Like sometimes it would be like something glass, and I want to see what happens if I drop it on the concrete. Of course, it's gonna break, but I want to see how it's gonna break. You know what I'm saying? Or or you know if it's or if I'm in like a go kart, so I wanna you know drive it fast and, and do a donut and things like that. So it's just always, I guess, um just kind of been like, you know, thinking I got about you. doing something and actually like going forward.
1: I got you. No, that's great, man. And you know, we talk about curiosity as being a superpower in entrepreneurship. And you know, you do make some mistakes and sometimes you get burned or stung, but um you mm-hmm. come out of it with greater knowledge. If you could share us a couple of uh examples of what you did, like what were some of the craziest one or two things that you did when you were coming up when you tried to take something apart or break something or whatever mm-hmm. it was
0: yeah um i guess i guess it was i guess the craziest and the best one was um when i was working in the ER i was uh, i was on a late night shift and and uh, i had this i had this phone and i was like i just and i had this little toolkit i was like you know i'm i want to try and take it apart you know, so like over that ship, you know, I was just like uh, on YouTube or whatnot, just like on my phone and I was just kind of was messing around with the phone. And I had took it apart and I had put it back together and it was still working. I was like, that was, you know, I'm saying? I was like, I actually enjoyed that. You know, uh, it was very tedious and stuff, but it was a, it was cool. And from that, I had started this phone repair
1: business like my first, like, I guess my first year out of high school. So you actually used mm-hmm. that that curiosity where you're just looking around and taking stuff apart, and then you turned what you learned from that curious activity of taking a phone apart into your first business. You're talking about when you exited high school, yeah. is that right? Yeah. Wow, wow, that's great. That is uh, some serious curiosity. So uh, after high school into college, you, you shifted your educational path a little bit more toward computers and technology because that was where your natural curiosity was taking you. Um, But somewhere along the way, you started working with other people and we're going to get into your business and your team here in the Mm -hmm. next segment. But if you could talk about like making friends and working with people and collaborating with people and building Mm -hmm. trust. And how do you when you want to work with somebody, how do you evaluate them? How do you regard them as like can they be talented? Mm -hmm. Can they add value to your team or are they uh, someone who can uh, make you better at what you're Mm -hmm. doing by complimenting you? Just give us your philosophy about other people and working and living with other people.
0: Yeah. So, I, I mean, coming up in school, I, I mean, I love people like it was cool. I was a pretty popular kid. I mean, I know a lot of people and I made friends pretty easily. Um and then, I mean, but you know how that goes. You start out with a whole bunch of friends when you're like in the, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, and then you know, as as you continue to go, up, people are doing the law, people move off, things like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, coming up, it was cool, and I, and I love people, and then you know, um, group projects and things like that were fine. You know, I didn't I didn't mind you know either being the leader or taking the back seat and chilling. You know, either way but I guess as I got older and now kind of what I like to evaluate whenever working with people or collaborate with them, it's just like, are they being just like themselves? Like originally just, you yeah. know, I feel like, you know, people, their perspective, their uniqueness, their creativity, you know, it could be like tainted. It could be like disrupted if they're just not being themselves. And, you know, because I feel like when people are just being true to themselves, like they're using their past, their, their true, past experiences, their background, their beliefs, their values. And that's kind of what forms their viewpoint in their, in their unique perspective. And, and, you know, I like that when I work with people, you know, I like, I like to be around people and be like, man, I really didn't think about that or I didn't see it from that view. Like that's really cool.
1: And I feel like that's really how, you know, iron sharpens iron and people help each other get better. That's right. Authenticity is so key. And it sounds mm-hmm. to me like um, when you were outside of school, what you were doing was watching like discovery channel shows and little random obscure things where you could learn things that are related to your curiosity. And Mm -hmm. I I think then when you started working with other people and being around other people who you would meet in school or in the professional realm, you just try to figure out what really makes them unique. I mean, that's another way to be authentic, right? To embrace your uniqueness and embrace Mm -hmm. the uniqueness in others. And uh, Mm -hmm. that's loud and clear, man. That's great. And there's a lot of positive energy around, your worldview and what you're doing. We can all feel that. Everyone listening to this is going to be able to feel it. But I'm going to ask a different type of question now. What are the things that bug you or bother you that you don't like? Maybe mm-hmm. in in the world or in the entrepreneurial yeah. world or what are some of the things that you would like to work on or improve that you see out there uh, that just kind of clash with your values?
0: Yeah um i guess one thing i hate to see is like um people that just don't do their job the right way or just don't even give it like the correct amount of effort or anything like that um so yeah just like laziness and you know since just like not doing anything that's just that's very bothersome um
1: where do you think laziness some, where do you think laziness comes from
0: uh, i mean you know i guess it would come from just an environment of being comfortable and And not really like challenging yourself not really you know either like seeing your potential or caring to and caring to you know go towards that
1: right i always thought that it was not real you know if you see someone acting lazy it just to Mm -hmm. me at least it was like they haven't found the thing that connects with them because you'll see someone not want to do their homework or their reading but then they'll go home and play xbox for 18 hours or something like right. that like spend a ton of energy so and,
0: and that's what i was just about to get into was like one thing that doesn't really bother me but um but that i just like have a problem and i see out so much is like when people do things outside of their passions and then they wonder why that thing doesn't work or why you know someone else is working so much harder than them and things like that but it's just like man if you really lead If you really go into that thing from a sense of your passion and what you actually care about then i mean it's like you're never working or it's like you'll never be at work because
1: you just love what you're doing you just having fun amen to that and uh ladies and gentlemen who are listening right now we are going to have a great conversation with uh raheem robinson in the next segment about his business it is dreamheim studios they are growing they they've had some amazing clients they do these uh really great tech enabled motion explainer videos that he's going to talk all about and we're going to learn about his business and how he has become a next on the existential edge podcast welcome back everybody of the second segment of the podcast we are here with mr. Raheem Robinson CEO and founder of Dreamheim Studios now, before we get into this, I want to put this out there. I've been saying Dreamheim in this uh, in this show, <laughs> but uh, it can be Dreamheim, he is Raheem, or it can be Dreamheim. Is that right, Raheem?
0: Yeah, I, I've heard it. I've heard it both ways. I mean, I've heard the Dreamheim also, and I know it's kind of relative to like Anaheim. Um, but yeah, originally, uh, you know, it's, it's pronounced like Dreamheim, like Raheem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, either, either one, I don't really mind because on paper, it looks the same, so.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, just so everybody listening will know, he doesn't care how you call it, Dreamheim or Dreamheim. But uh, let's talk a little bit in general about entrepreneurship first. Uh, you're, you've been a serial entrepreneur. You've had a number of different businesses. You mentioned one of them in the uh, previous segment. Um, mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about your first entrepreneurial projects, and uh, then I'm going to have a couple of questions about uh, Dreamheim Studios.
0: Cool. Yeah, so I, my first legit business, uh, I guess it would have been, it would have been I Messed Up. Like, I can't remember, I might have filed an LLC for I Messed Up, but I still kind of came about, you know, like I said, I took the phone apart, put it back together. And then um, and that's really how, well, actually, I guess before that, when I also during my first year out of high school, I got connected with two of my best friends from my childhood. One is actually in my family, one of them is my cousin, but it was Quan Lanier and Johnny Evans. And they were a bit older than me, but these guys, they had moved back to Starkville for a little time. And they were like, Raheem, so, you know, what are you gonna do after high school and stuff? I was like, man, I think I'm gonna go to the military. I scored really high on this ASVAB. And I just really didn't know what I was gonna do. So I was like, You know, I think I'm trying to see what this military thing is. I go there. I play basketball for the Air Force, things like that. I really love basketball. Still do. Um, And they were like, you know, they kind of giggled. They were like, okay, cool. And then they were like, "Um, well, if you have anything else planned, you know, come check out. Come check out this location tomorrow and, and, you know, we'll talk. So they sent me the location and I pulled up and it was like this little storefront. I was like, cool. So what's this, y'all? He was like, well, this is going to be Blue Pyramid. This is clothing store that we're starting here, and we think you'd be great to run it if you're going to be around Starkville because we're going to be doing a lot of traveling and stuff. And I was like, man, that'd be really dope. So it's crazy. The thing with the military actually worked out because I had a shoulder surgery from a, from a basketball injury, like probably a year prior, and the military was like, we just can't risk that with you going into basic training with a uh, with a surgery that recent. So I actually didn't get sworn in and I didn't have to go to basic training or any of that. Um, I just kind of lost touch with the recruiter and I just really started focusing on Blue Pyramid. It was like you know, like I, the military thing was just a, I don't really know what else to do and it seems safe and solid. But the but Blue Pyramid, again, just sort of really piqued my curiosity. And I was like, this is something that is gonna forever be changing. This is something where I can always learn something new. I can always like build a new skill. And that really had resonated with me with Blue Pyramid. So I mean, I was all in from day one and I love fashion. And it was a clothing
1: store. So it literally had all of the right things for me to really buy in. Blue Pyramid, so it's a clothing store. And then mm-hmm. uh, I messed up was the uh, Fixing People's Phone it yeah. so was at the same time as Blue Pyramid. That yeah, out? yeah.
0: So they were right around the same time. Blue Pyramid, I would say, have came, I would say came first, and then we were fixing it up, things like that, getting clothes in. I remember mean, when we first started, we didn't even have any wholesale accounts because nobody would give us any wholesale accounts. So we would just had to buy the clothes that were on sale and make a little bit of profit, you know, like a little five dollar, ten dollar <laughs> profit at first, until we could actually get like some legit wholesale accounts. And I just remember, you know, what I'm saying we were in there, kind of like looking around on. Um, um, on different websites and stuff, looking for clothes. And one of my business partners had on some uh, had on like some sweatshorts and his phone fell out and it cracked on the floor. And I was like, dang, man. He's like, I'm gonna order a screen for it and I'll just and I'll just fix it. And I was like, you should let me fix it. He was like, oh no. And I was like, seriously I'll do it for free. Just let me fix it. He was like, all right, so he ordered the screen and it came in and I fixed it. And he powdered on, he was like, wow. He's like, this looks great. He's like, it looks like I went to Apple. Granted, it was just, it was really just replacing the screen, but he was like, you know, this looks great. He was like, Man, you should uh, you should charge people for this, and that was the first time that it really clicked to me. Like, you're right. Like, I could I could do that and just really make my own money. So. That's what I started doing. I started uh, I started using my laptop and I record videos of me fixing the phones and then I would like speed up the videos, put some little music on. This is before I was into any like video editing and stuff, put some little music on it and just and just push them out and be like, hey, guys, I'm fixing phones now. Things
1: like that. No, that that's uh, it's amazing how you started with kind of a low tech business where Blue Pyramid, it's clothing, it's fashion, it's retail. And you got some of the fundamentals there and then you got into the tech which you like and which aligns with your interests, but you also had this kind of social media presence and activity around mm-hmm. the technology, yeah. which I, I can see an arc right here coming into uh, Dreamheim Studios. I can see an arc you know, working toward Dreamheim Studios, with, which mm-hmm. integrates all of those things that you did before.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, 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 I swear, it, it wasn't planned. It was like, I mean, it was planned, but not by me, you know? Mm-hmm. So like it was, it was just you know it was it was really amazing to see and um and yeah so like I, I started getting some traction, when I messed up, and it was also so crazy. So I messed up. I was like, well, I want to make this a real thing, so I need a logo. So I hit up Hank Washington. He's a logo designer that I knew. Well, he's a graphic designer that I knew at Mississippi State, and he designed my first logo for me. I messed up. It was a little cracked phone eye and, and stuff like that. Anyway. When you fast forward, Hank is the creative director at Socially In. when I moved to Birmingham. And I, uh, and I actually had to live with Hank for like half a year when I first moved here because I didn't have any money coming out of college um, and I just needed somewhere to stay. So Hank, let me crash at his spot. But I was just like, it's so crazy how they came full circle. Like my first business, first trying to get a business off the ground, I go to Hank and I'm like, dude, I have no money. Let me pay you 80 bucks for a logo. <laughs> and you know so i'm just trying to like pay my rent stuff like that and hank's like look bro i got you you know i like what you're doing stuff like that so i was like man that's really dope and then to
1: move to birmingham and then live with hank it was really cool it was full circle and then we worked together yeah you know? that's great all right so tell us about uh dreamheim studios and everybody listening um again we're gonna put the link in the description you really need to check out raheem's work he is a he does amazing work and it's unique and it's special, I would say. Um, and we're going to learn about the secret sauce and how he's I believe he's put his personality and his approach to life into this business. And we're going to we're going to learn how he did that. But tell us where uh, Dreamheam came from. Tell us how it became real. Let us get a sense of the story here.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So four years ago when I moved to Birmingham, like I said, I, um, I just wasn't feeling very fulfilled in this software engineering at Mississippi State so i take socially in up on the offer um when i first started there um doing my internship i was just doing reports and things and they were like so right here what would you want to do and i was like i mean i think i would want to help hank out with the graphic design because y'all are always calling his name he's always behind on stuff so i just kind of thought okay okay what do they actually need so that's what I went towards, and they said, okay, well, and Hank was like, well, he learned this program After Effects. He's like, it's kind of intimidating, but if you learn it, you'll learn how to make really cool titles for the videos. That was all they knew was, like, just put make the titles for the videos. So I look it up, and I'm on YouTube, and I'm, um, and I'm working through some things, and the first thing I make is, like, my name being written across the screen with, like, some different shapes and and diamonds and stuff and it was so dope to me i was like wow like i really just made that and exported this video and i was showing people and everything and they were like yeah i mean it's, it's fine or whatever but i was amazed and from that point i was hooked so fast forward um socially sends me some tests while i'm in starkville like hey try and recreate this you know create this type of video and i just remember one day they facetimed me when i was in my um when i was in my electrical class or whatnot and they were like right in these videos are amazing. Like, are you really animating like this already? And I was like, yeah. And I was so stoked that the team, you know what I'm saying? Thought that like the intern was really good and stuff. So they actually gave me a job offer in January. I came to Birmingham and, you know, went through the offer and stuff and I accepted it. And then from that point it was on, like I moved all my classes online and this was 2018. And I start at the company. So like when I first started off, it was really dope. I, I love the agency, the people, they were awesome. Like I said, I mean, I'm a people person. So, I mean, you go in there and there's other people like me, and we get to listen to our music and we just, we're just animating and creating stuff. it was having a good time. It was awesome. So that was 2018. Um, later on that year, I decided to just drop out of college completely and just go full. 100% in on animation, and I was like, if it doesn't, if it really doesn't work, then I'll just go back to school, having missed a semester, and I was like, it's really not, it's not too risky. So, uh, so that's what I did in 2018. Towards the end, I started to get some traction in Birmingham, so I was like, man, 2019, I'm really taking this thing serious. So I go into 2019, and I and I revamp my, uh, I revamp my website, I get a new logo from Hank. Yeah. So Hank also created the Dream Heme logo. Yeah. So I get a new logo from Hank, um, you know, and we do that. It, it was legit. So from that point on, I really just started um, focusing on my LinkedIn, my LinkedIn brand. That was a big, that was a big thing for me. Um, towards the end of 2018 that I seen it was going to help. So I really start focusing on my LinkedIn brand. Again, I guess that kind of brings back that social media, um, that social media part. And and, and I guess into 2019, I landed some pretty big clients and some national clients. So I guess my first big Birmingham client was Influencer. They're they're, 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 uh, a sports software, they're big now, got like all of the D1 colleges on there. And then my first couple of national accounts were Hibit Sports here at Birmingham, Macy's, which I got from a deal out of Atlanta. And from that point, I really was just got really good at marketing and showing those case studies, building those websites. And that's when the traction really started to come. So like towards the end of 2019, the agency had started seeing some of my work from Macy's and Hibit Sports and stuff. And they were like... All right, right. So, like, are you going to be sticking around? Are you going full time freelance? You know, I had a couple people at the agency that were like, "Dude, like, it's time. You know, you should, you should go, you should go freelance. It'd be awesome." Things like that. But honestly, I just love the agency so much. I was like, "No, I'm gonna stick around." You know, I was like, "I mean, I can do my freelance on the side, and, and it's cool." But you know, I like hanging with you guys. But man, towards the towards the end of 2019, I I just got. I just got so busy, and I was like to do all of my freelance, which I really wanted to do because these were really cool companies who I would enjoy to work. with. I was like, I mean, I would have to leave socially in because it's just eight hours of my day that I would need back. So I met with the CEO, and uh, and he was super cool about it. Keith was like, man, I'm so excited. I'm I'm very excited for you. He's like, I hope you grow your company to be really big, and then we're gonna partner on a conference together. So we still got that in the plan so like once it once we get like really big and socially in, they're still growing I think they're like 50 people now so they're
1: killing it right, right. Um, you know you got yeah. you got two of the uh, two of the uh, hallmarks of successful entrepreneurs one and it's funny for a professor to say this but one of them is dropping out of school I mean a lot of the most successful entrepreneurs yeah. dropped out of school and you yeah. know I've had a lot of students do that myself and whenever they yeah. get that traction and they start growing and they start talking to me you know, I'm like, go, you know, go do it. And if it fails, well, that's really, dope for,
0: yeah,
1: that's well, really they, dope for you. Yeah, well, right. Because I mean, what are they going to do if it's taken off? And they, you know, it's it's their calling. They should do it. And if it mm-hmm. fails, come back. And if it right. takes off and they become multimillionaires, come back and you know sponsor the program and give us some money, whatever. Yeah. But um, you know, you gotta you gotta teach folks such that you know their own dreams and whatnot are more important than you know you wanted to push them through your program so it's Mm -hmm. it's great that you did that I I get it it makes sense and I I know you value education there's no question about that the other thing that you did is um, you worked for another entrepreneur first I mean I've been doing this Mm -hmm. for 20 years and I have seen so many entrepreneurial students who are entrepreneurs now but they went and worked for another entrepreneur for a little while first Mm -hmm. before branching off on their own you learn a lot from that And I know you had your earlier entrepreneurial projects and all that, but working with another entrepreneur, successful entrepreneur, like socially in Mm -hmm. they're growing as well. You get Mm -hmm. amazing lessons from that. And we'll talk about like outreach and how an entrepreneurship program can work with entrepreneurs like that in the next segment. But what I want to ask you about is something you mentioned that I think could be useful to the people listening to the podcast. And that is you were talking about LinkedIn and put your personal brand out there on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about, not just how to do that but what kind of benefit that has brought to you or that that it did bring to you in the early mm-hmm. days when you were coming up in dream project. yeah
0: yeah and linkedin still brings me benefits like i'm still on linkedin all the time and i think that it's uh, i think that it's um just a, an amazing platform for like building and growing your business i even when i chat with um with younger kids now younger students now um I'm like, you know are you I'm like, are you still in high school? are you working a you know full time job whatever like on your off days you need to create a LinkedIn account and just go on there and start connecting and just being in that space. So why I liked LinkedIn, why I was drawn to it was because before LinkedIn, I did Instagram. and on Instagram, I'm telling you man, I was sending so many DMs just really trying to get my freelance going. Um, this is before I really knew how to sell and I would just copy and paste DMS. I mean, until Instagram would stop me. Like I literally couldn't DM any more people for the day. That was, that was like my cutoff each day. Uh, so it was kind of like a spray and pray method. Right. But even when people hit me back, it wasn't, you know, it really wasn't a, uh, it usually weren't, they weren't usually weren't legit or they usually weren't looking to do, you know, real business or whatnot. Um, uh, but when I got on LinkedIn, I slowly started to realize i was like wait if only business owners are on here and also there isn't much animation on here first of all i feel like i can catch their attention and now i'd also be talking to people who actually want to do a deal mm-hmm. and i mean and during some of my first linkedin conversations one of the guys was like uh he's like yeah right here i'm happy you hit me up and got straight to the point he was like we all got enough friends we know why we're on linkedin Say, man, you got a you got a really good point. I said, well, if everybody kind of if everybody you know what I'm saying is thinking like you, and you know, of course, friends will come along the way organically, you know. But he's pretty much saying like, hey, you know, just be straight up um, with your with your intentions, with your ask, and I respect you a lot more. And if we become friends in that process, then that's even better, you know. what I'm saying, but that really just keeps things from like being personal or any of that. Um, but yeah, so I got on LinkedIn and just whenever I had new content i'm putting it out and i'm talking about it and i'm talking about it in, in a way uh i want to really highlight that piece so let's say i do a photo manipulation for Hibby. and this is just me kind of getting more into the specifics for anybody that uh that cares so if i have a photo manipulation for HIBIS sports i'm gonna post it i'm gonna be like hey linkedin fam check out this photo manipulation i created for HIBIS sports this piece was used to and then i want to highlight the piece this piece was used to bring you know a 200% in engagement rate, um, you know, so many likes, and it generated this for them. Just whatever cool information that you have that can really highlight that piece. Or maybe it was just like, I made these shoes look super cool. But if the first thing you want to do is talk about, like, what it was that you made and who you made it for um, and why, just because that's going to come up at first before somebody has to click see more to see the rest of your caption. And then you talk a little bit more about it. And then, you know, you leave something for the people, leave them a CTA, like, hey, check out my website or shoot me a message or just keep up with my work and look out for the next stuff. And you just want to consistently do that and, and be genuine about it. Like, I'm just I'm not just showing things to be like, hey, look at this it's really cool. And I did it for this big company. But it's like, hey, guys, look at look at how my skills grew on this piece or tell me what you guys think about this style of animation versus my other. Animations. You just really want to build like a, a nice community on there, and,
1: and you know, chat with the people. That is gold. That 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 information you shared with mm-hmm. us right now is um, fantastic. So thank you, thank you for that. That's sure. going to benefit a lot of people right there. Mm-hmm. I. Uh, I can say, you know, I'm an entrepreneurship educator and a lot of entrepreneurship educators are listening to this show. Uh, We require all of our students in our program to get on LinkedIn. And we have a private LinkedIn group where we share opportunities. And then we tell them, you know, if you go to a networking event or you're out in the community or out in the ecosystem, you meet somebody, if they're interested in what your your skills are or what you might be able to do, first thing they're going to do is look you up on LinkedIn, learn about what you're doing, maybe where you went to school, what kind of projects you're working on. So that is key. And now we have a great example of how it has helped you come up as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about uh, Dreamheam if you could. Um, Who's on your team? How many are on your team? Any clients that you can talk about right now, share anything about that and then share the kind of products and services you offer. You mentioned photo Mm -hmm. manipulation, but I know you do some other things too. So team, clients and products and services.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, so our team now um, we have Four full time, not including myself. We have four full time members. Um, and in all, we have a team of 15. So the first people I hired, kind of like the core people who, who I knew that I needed. First off, I really just hired based off of my weaknesses, like wherever wherever I was weakest or wherever I couldn't put the most time. So the first person that I really brought on the team was Hank again, Hank is kind of going to be throughout this story, huh? but Hank, I mean, he he's just like not even just my friend, but literally the best creative director that I know. Like I even told Hank, I said, Hank, before I brought you on the team, I looked for a month to for someone that wasn't you. I said, but you still ended up being the best uh, creative director that I know or that I came across. And this just worked out for me because shortly after I went full-time freelance, Hank went full-time freelance probably like five or six months after. So that was that lined up with me actually needing to bring someone in that space on. So one thing with me is I'm not just the best drawer or illustrator or whatnot. So and Hank is, he's amazing at it. So I was like, I know I want Hank for that and he can think for himself and create things. So Tank was like the first person. And then I wanted us to get into the 3D space because we offer a ton, even you, when you guys go on our website, you'll see we have a ton of 3D animation. Um, and that just really comes from me just kind of thinking forward and really just being like, man, I know that things are really gonna go towards 3D, especially 3D e-commerce. Everybody's gonna wanna show their clothes and they're gonna wanna rotate them. And you're gonna wanna be able to see the fabrics, all of this. And as it goes from clothing to the products, like the phones and the cameras, all of this, people aren't going to keep filming that. So I know that that, that we're going to be transitioning into that three D space. So I hired a three D animator next. His name's Anthony. He's a super talented guy. Um, it's crazy that when I was starting out in two D animation, Anthony was starting out in three D animation. So it was cool we really like made each other both like at the bottom and we were building our skills up and then just over time we kept seeing each other get better and finally we were like man it's time it's time to work together so anthony does like a a pretty much a ton of our 3d stuff he's uh he's really good um and then i brought on lars and i'm just going to go through these guys because this is like the core team uh, of people i brought on based um based around like what i needed and, and what we lacked as a team And then Lars came on to help out with operations, managing timelines, helping with like client communication. And just overall, Lars is just like just one of the smartest business minds that I know, especially around my age. And you might know Lars. Uh, I know he plays soccer at UAB and then he did his master's at Sanford. He got his master's in business at Sanford. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've seen him around. Yeah. Smart guy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, Lars, um, yeah. And Lars was like the last person that came on the team, but was like the, the puzzle piece, the glue, I feel like that really just like helps everything keep going. And I like that. He, um, that he doesn't mind criticizing me and telling me where I can improve. And I really need people like that in my circle that can be like Raheem, you know, you could have done better in this meeting by addressing these things or you know this proposal could have been sharper if we had this information and him and hank are both really good at that so that's really nice to have on your team um but yeah so like that's the team and then we have um i guess four other 2d animators um two other illustrators one more 3d animator um and one more and two and two script writers um, and we and we're just looking to continue to add more talent um as as it comes it just as it just comes like organically you know i just come across talented people and i hit them up and i'm like hey you know are you interested in freelance and then possibly you know retainer or full time and you know what is your what is your workload look like and just kind of build relationships
1: that's a great approach so tell us about the products and services you offer your team offers and then Tell us a little bit about your clients. We, I think we kind of know how you connect with your clients, but we want to know like w- what kind of clients are you working with right now? The ones you can okay. reveal. and yeah. uh, But we also want to know what you do. We know you do 2D okay. animation stuff, but unpack that a little bit for us.
0: Yeah, so our bread and butter is going to be 2D animation, like the explainer videos, which are these 60 second videos where we can explain any product, any service or company in less than a minute and just an engaging and fun and uh, educational way, you know. So we use them sometimes to explain, you know, uh, the software of a, of a banking app, you know, how however they do their uh, their FinTech things. Sometimes it's service-based businesses, you know, uh, sometimes it's, it's for Nike and they wanna show the capabilities of a shoe. So it's all of these different things. Uh, but explainer videos. But at the end of the day, what I realized when I was at the agency making videos, is I was I was like, if someone has a video, more likely they're trying to explain something, even if it's an advertisement, they're trying to show you what this product does, how it works or something like that. So the explainer video was really what I leaned into. And it's our bread and butter. Um, then we have 3D animation. Graphic design, of course, any type of Photoshop or Adobe Illustrator graphic design. Uh, we, we handle filming of all of our content. We do event recaps and coverage, um, drone footage, what else? Branding, we handle branding and um, brand identity, logo development, things like that.
1: You're working with some big clients too. Like you mentioned Nike, Hibbit Sports. Yeah. I don't know if everybody out there across the country will have heard of Hibit, but Hibit is a big, big organization. Um, that's great, man. So you you have a team that's grown organically. You have products and services that sound to me like are rolled out organically as you get to know the market better and learn how to serve the market better. And you had a really, a really prescient, future oriented view on you know you're talking about the 3d animate or you yeah. didn't call it 3d animation but the textures and looking at the like oh, you yeah. said 3d animation i know people are going to want that and i thought you know this is like a couple of years ago you were saying that and you were able to see the future of the of the sector that you're in so mm-hmm. my question is how do you see the next few years when it comes to um you know the work that you're doing and the the technology ventures that are serving larger companies and doing this kind of work, where do you see things trending right now? And and mm-hmm. what are you going to get in front of that trend?
0: So one thing that I've noticed just this year is that many people aren't as aware of the explainer videos as I thought. And also I learned that they're actually very hard to do. But I guess just since that's where I started and I guess just from stressing myself out from the beginning, I really didn't realize that I was doing it. Uh, it just helped us really get ahead of that like when i when i pretty much go through the steps of the explainer videos and the moving pieces such as like script writer illustrator art director animator sound design music and vo uh, project manager i mean it's like six or seven people there to manage plus the timeline in five or six weeks with client communication yeah, I mean, people are like, dude, that's a lot and then to run four or five of those at once. So I understand that. Um, and I think that she's really locking down that system. So what I'm doing to get ahead of that curve, because I feel like not many people understand the explainer videos, especially out west. Whenever I talk to any companies out of California, out of that, you know, Colorado, Vegas area, people like that, they're like, dude, these things that you call explainer videos are awesome. Nobody over here does that. They're like all the animators, all the animators we know just do film and uh, and movies, like television stuff, TV show intros and things like that. And I was like, I guess that does make sense with all of the studios being out west. But yeah, there's not many explainers right, right. out there as well. So I feel like putting to putting together just like a, a super efficient system, where it's no matter who it is, whether it's a scriptwriter from here. Um, California, Germany, wherever I can get them. I can get I can put them. Hey, here's your Google Drive folder inside of that folder. It has your roles and responsibilities. It has um, videos that walk you through where to put your content. It shows you how to get into the slack, where to upload your scripts, all of that. That's how I'm trying to do is put that system together to where it doesn't matter who it is. I can place you in that and you'll be able to be productive and move like a dream team member Uh, and i actually got that from mcdonald's it was this thing they were like i know mcdonald's is is in mcdonald's isn't a good it's a great example but it's not a good example because it's such a low skill and the people who we deal with are very high skill people but it's just like no matter who you are mcdonald's hires you you're gonna make that burger just like the last shift
1: right that's right or you're gonna make
0: those fries like the last shift you're gonna put the right amount of salt on and stuff so i was like how is that and i just thought about i was like well i guess it's the training you know from the jump it's like this is how you do it when you come in i know that you have other skills and you have knowledge but this is just how we do it and how it should be done and i was like man that's that's really good so i really want to do that to to get ahead of the explainers and man like i said it's just really with managing so many people i feel like you uh you kind of need that you know to kind of keep everything aligned
1: yeah. I, I think you're really onto something. These explainer videos are obviously unique. And one of the hallmarks of a great entrepreneurial venture is that they're, they're able to do something that makes sense to everybody, but you know, nobody can really copy them because they have the secret sauce for putting that thing together. It's more of an art than a science. You, you kind of have to grow into it organically as you, as you've done. And I, I would make an observation. I mean, you came up, you were watching a you had curiosity, you had authenticity, you were really trying to learn how things work. And you had this uh, genuine curiosity about processes and the way things are present in the day to day life around you from a young age. But that's what you're doing right now in these explainer videos. I, and, you, it's, and it's
0: crazy. I know, man, it's like um, that's what I that's what I found out. Like last year, I was like, I mean, even more so than just like creating the content and things like that um I guess it's kind of mixed in with my love for business as well um like it's like the curiosity and my love for business like when I get to talk with people I just want to know like why did you do this how are you guys doing it um you know how are you guys making money what's the future for you all and it's just with all types of different businesses I mean we've had people that um that have AI that have AI sports calculating softwares for um for like, uh, for like fantasy football and things like that. You got people with service-based businesses about composting and dirt and that's, that was interesting to me. It's just, I mean, yeah, it's crazy um, how I came back like that.
1: That's right, that's right. I, I think, you know, when you look back on it, it makes all the sense in the world, but when you're coming up on it and you haven't experienced it yet, it looks mm-hmm. like chaos and uncertainty, man, but then you just gotta be true to those values and that becomes your compass for navigating yeah. you through and you've clearly been able to do that. So that is a fantastic entrepreneurial story and um, i know a lot of people are going to be very curious about what you're doing they're going to look you up and we are we're all excited about where your business is headed raheem so thank you very much for everything you you just shared with us and when we come back on the existential edge podcast we're going to learn about raheem robinson's views on entrepreneurship education we'll see you in a minute Welcome back everybody to the third segment of the existential edge podcast. We are here with Raheem Robinson, CEO and founder of Dreamheem Studio. And we're going to learn about his views on entrepreneurship education. So Raheem, you left college to become an entrepreneur. We learned all about your entrepreneurial journey in the last segment. Now we want to learn a little bit about how you think entrepreneurship should be taught. And clearly it can't just be learned in a classroom. but There are a lot of things you can learn in a classroom, but a lot of the stuff you have to learn through experience. So we're gonna learn about your views on classroom learning, about reading, about watching videos, and then just experiencing it yourself. So I wanna start out in this segment, if I can, by asking you, what are the most important lessons you've learned as you were building your entrepreneurial career over these first four, five, six years? I wanna know the most important lessons you've learned and how you've learned them.
0: OK, uh, I guess it would be it would be two, uh two of them. One is just like to always lead with your passion. And that one I didn't really have to learn from any pain. I'll say that one I just so happened to stumble across because I just ended up having to happen to love animation. But it was just the fact that, that that I started out having just having a passion like I would I was talking to myself at the beginning of it. and I was like, I would do this for no money. You know, and that's when you know that it's really just a passion and you really love it. It's like, would you do that for free every day, truthfully? You know, and with animation, I was like, yeah, I would. Like, I really love it that much. And I think just even started leading with that passion and starting from that starting from that point, one, you can't be outworked because you're not working. You're just doing what you love. You know what I'm saying? It's like playing the game for you or, you know, playing basketball, whatever it may be. And then two, it's like you always go above and beyond no matter what. So even if the budget isn't there, even if, you know, you only got a little bit of time, you're gonna go above and beyond for yourself and for that client. Because you know, at the end of the day, it's only making you better. Um so yeah, and, and so like, and I think that also helps you commit when you're really passionate about something and love it. Like you're like, okay, I can go all in on this and give it all my attention so, so how that, did, was how did,
1: that was one was there another one
0: yeah okay but go, you ahead. Can go ahead with your, okay and then the second one is uh to so just like lay a brick every day just as perfectly as you can like don't try and chop the whole tree down in a day don't try and build the whole house in a day but it's just you know every day give it five chops every day you know lay a brick as perfectly as you can and soon enough you know you'll have a wall And then a house and then a castle, you know, but it all starts with, you know, every day just doing something, posting on LinkedIn, creating some website case studies, you know, learning. And then you will slowly start to look back and be like, man, I know. I know now. Now I know way more than I did six months ago or a year ago. And now, you know, look at
1: this wall that I built. All right. So lead with your passion and do one brick a day. You're, You're talking about the heart and the mind right there. Mm -hmm. Right there, man. So about the passion, the first one, how do you explain that to a learner who has, you know, I I think everybody hears that a lot, Mm -hmm. like lead with your passion. We all kind of hear that, but how can you coach a learner or a student to do that? Does it require confidence? Are there any tricks of the trade i mean everybody
0: has everybody everybody has it it's just um it's just finding out it's just finding it also like when you come up in school and we're on an education podcast but i'm not going at school but when you're coming up at school i mean you're there for eight hours and you're pretty much doing you know whatever is along that curriculum and when you get out yeah you know you don't want to you just have other things going on. You want to play with friends and you want to do this and that. So a lot of the times you don't have time to just sit back and think, like, what do I actually like? And I feel like this kind of hit me when I was leaving high school. And I was like, okay, if I if I was not playing basketball, what do I actually like? And I couldn't come up with anything. And that's how I came up with the military. You know what I'm saying? I feel like, you know, if you don't give that constant attention and figure it out, then you'll just kind of float towards whatever direction, you know, and uh, and I mean, you could tell from all the businesses I had, I mean, from nursing to the store to fixing phones and things like that. It was uh, not, not uh, me not knowing, but it was me really trying to figure out, okay, what is something that is going to really hold my attention and that I can really say that I'm passionate about. So I think it's really just first just thinking like, what do I like and kind of laying out some different Careers based off of what you're actually skilled enough to do. So something entry level and where there's actually an opportunity to do it. Um, and then you actually taste it. I say, you know, don't just, don't just, you know, dip your foot in or whatever, you know, like literally go all in on it and, and you know, whatever happens, happens. And just know that regardless of if you stick with it or not, you're going to be, you're going to get better. You're going to learn something. Right.
1: You know, that's one of the greatest things about, Being an educator is that you're right. Everybody has these gifts inside of them already. I mean, you know, as a professor, I don't, we don't, we don't put that passion into the students who are in our classroom. It's already there. We just got to spend some time helping them look within to to -hmm. discover it, to discover it, and then our job as educators is really to work on their worldview and how they might find opportunities outside of them to put their passion into the service of building a venture or, you know, working on a project or something like that. But it, it keeps it so fun for us because, you know, the students are all different. Everybody's passion is different. I don't think I've mm-hmm. ever had two students that have exactly the same passion. Even if they're into video like you are, if we drill down a little bit deeper, they might have a different kind of flavor or a different kind of twist mm-hmm. on what they're into, kind of like you're doing. So that's great. And then the second one you said was, lay a perfect brick every day. So You know, I've heard this before and I spent a lot of time trying to teach this because if you just focus on doing the best you can do right now, today with whatever you're working on, that's manageable. If you're trying to think about your whole life or five years or 10 years into the future, that's too much information, too much uncertainty and it can overwhelm you. So do the best you can do today and then put it in place and then let it go. And then focus the next day on the one thing that you're going to be able to manage, you know, on day two and day three. And then over time, if you stay true to your values, you can have faith that the larger wall or castle will come together naturally and organically. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what I was saying. And it's really like I think one thing that trips a lot of people up is the speed. Like everybody wants to be able to do it fast, but you can't do it well or you can't do it great and do it fast, you know? so it's like what you what people don't realize though is when you do it, when you do it well and you continue to do it well every day, that's where your speed comes from. It's just being exposed to doing it the right way. Now you can do it fast the other way too. You can do it fast the speedy way and the bad way, and you can move along really fast, but now you're moving along with bad habits and 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 you're actually slowing yourself down. Now you actually might just have to start over anyway. So you might as well begin with those good habits and and keep moving on it. And eventually you're going to get faster. And if it's going to take you 10 years anyway, I mean, what are you rushing? And I think that's one thing that will help also is just like knowing that path. So it's just really exposing yourself, really exposing yourself to other people's businesses and their paths just not you know their end result you know if you want to look at you know the apples and the amazons or even smaller scale you know the Hibiscus sports or the ships and the landings places like that you know if you want to look at the end result or the overnight success then yeah you're gonna feel like i should i could build this million dollar business in a year or two but if you really look at their past and their uh and in their, and their stories or whatnot and actually read on them, you'll be like okay well, 10 years isn't, 10 years really isn't that bad you know I, I could do that but it just has to be something that you love to, and it's, to commit to
1: i can tell you you know i'm as you get older raheem i can tell you I, i'm i'm older than you so i can tell you from experience uh <laughs> it's not that long man 10 years <laughs> fly by oh my goodness yeah you've talked about curiosity you've talked about authenticity and and now you're talking about another aspect of the entrepreneurial mindset which is the discipline of mm-hmm. you know learning to have patience and you know you don't knock it all out in one day which is something that also we we try really hard to teach that as entrepreneurship mm-hmm. educators and that's very important and you've given us a rich example of how that's worked for you um now i have a question about the the people who may be younger than you or, at least, similar in age to you, who you might want to hire or work with. What do you think for these young people who are coming out of university or maybe still in university who are going to work with you in an outreach project or in an internship or something like that? What are the things that you look for, first of all? I, I think we kind of got that already, but I want you to touch on what do you look for. But then, mm-hmm. secondly, and perhaps more importantly, What do you think a lot of the young people coming up are lacking right now that we could do a better job teaching them Mm -hmm.
0: so me just knowing that i came from nursing and clothing and games and things like that and i learned how to be an animator i just look for someone that's willing to commit and be serious about it and also someone that I can really see the passion in. So whenever I hire anyone, the first thing I ask them is, "What are you passionate about?" I understand, you know, you're a designer, you're an animator, but what are you passionate about? Is it sports? Is it clothing? Is it tech and business? And I care about that because when people come into our um, into our company, our organization, I want us all to be able to grow, like personally. You know, I know that this may not be the end step for anyone. But I want everyone that comes through here to be like, man, I went there and like I learned a lot and I grew and I did things that I actually cared about. Um, and I and I lead with that because I feel like that's when you get someone's best is when they actually have a personal, emotional investment into something. Um, so that's one of the first things I ask them. You know, what are you passionate about? And then I want to know, um, you know, and then I want to see a commitment from you, not just working on the things that I send you, but you know, what are you doing outside of work? I want you to come to me and say. Raheem, look, I was just trying out this new three D skill. Let me know what you think about it. Like that would make my day to be like, wow, you went and you learned this. You love this so much, you went and learned this skill on your own and brought it to me for feedback. Like that—that's like a one. Um, so yeah, I guess that's some, that's really what I look for, man. It's just like passion, commitment, um, and the other stuff. The other stuff you can learn. You can learn the program. You can learn um you know the the business the business side of it and things like that but uh but
1: like that commitment and whatnot you can't what are some of the things that educators could do a better job of trying to teach students who are coming out and these are students who would like to be entrepreneurs but they haven't stumbled upon a way to channel their passion yet mm-hmm. and so they may come to work with a venture like yours what are some mm-hmm. of the things you would like educators to do a better job of when we're preparing them to come in and really just blow you away with what they're able to do what, what mm-hmm. do we need to do better can you think of anything
0: uh i guess i guess teaching them patience and and aspects of not necessarily running a big business or growing a big business but patience with their skills with uh, you know because some people think that six months is a long time So you know, I'm saying, even if you tell a kid, I mean, seriously, if you tell a kid, "Hey, I want you to take this course. It's a three month course. Every day, such and such," they're gonna be like, "Whoa, I don't know about that." Because I would, I would have been like, "I don't know about that. I don't know if I could do it for that long." Uh,
1: So I think like patience, commitment, these are parts of the entrepreneurial mindset, right there. Patience is a big one.
0: I'm trying to think about what else I would have wanted, and um, and how to connect with people, and the fact that people are just people. You know, when you talk with someone, you know, they might talk to a uh, to a Bill Smith from Shift, or, you know, one of these one of these other big guys from the depot or something and be like, you know, uh, man, I just want to I just want to, uh, you know, ask you all these things. But, you know, it might be like two, it might feel like, you know, that person is, you know, because they're a business owner, because they've heard their name already. You know, they might have, have a big reputation, but, you know, just understand at the end of the day that everyone are just people and you just want to just have a good relationship. But you don't always have to be selling something. Like that's one thing that helped me out such so much is that I was never the person that just comes up on you trying to sell you a video. I'm not even going to come up to you, selling you that I'm an animator that makes all of these type of videos. I just want to get to know you. Cause like, what if you're not the type of person who I like to hang around? Then I don't want to work with you, you know, like client client or team member. So, uh, so I think that, and then there was one more, Um, it was one more good one. Uh, Oh yeah. And to have questions prepared, like don't, don't meet with anyone and just say, Hey, so how did you start your business? How did you run your business? Or, um, or like, Hey, can you help me start this? Um, can you help me start this 3d printing business or something like come to them with specific questions? Like, Hey, do you know where I can access vendors that have 3d printers? Hey, do you know how I can get some business credit so that I can buy a 3d printer? you know, Hey, what are some, do you have a business? Do you have a business plan template that you would recommend? Like have your questions ready because then just be a straight shooter, like no beating around the bush. Have your questions ready. Let them know what you want. And yeah, even if you don't have anything to offer, just say that like, hey, man, I don't have anything to offer, but if I might be able to connect you with anyone, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. But I just got some questions to ask and I just need 30 minutes.
1: That is great advice. So you you did talk about LinkedIn. You talked about just now you talked about having your questions ready. You talked about um, getting to know people on an authentic Mm -hmm. level, but we teach networking. We try to teach networking. We know it's important in entrepreneurship programs. How do you think we should teach networking to the younger generation coming up right now? Mm,
0: I mean, like I just said, just approach people, uh, approach people as people and just try and get to know them first. And, you know yeah you guys are going to talk about your business but you know there isn't there isn't always anything to sell you know and just make a uh, make a good connection um you know be yourself and like i said you know just just be straight up with them um
1: and if you got something that you want ask them right right so do do you think young people realize that they can actually it sounds like a crazy question but a lot of them go to networking events. I know from experience, and they come back and they're like, "Well, that was a big waste of time." And we have a conversation. We have a conversation <laughs> with them about like what they did wrong or what they could have done that they didn't do, and all of that. But um, so, in a in a real practical way, Raheem, how how might we teach networking? Should they go to meetup.com and find all the uh, the the events and go and come back and tell everybody what they did? Or can you think of any real teachable types of things that we might do to improve Mm -hmm. our students when it comes to networking?
0: So I actually like, so me, how I did, mine was just all face to face. So somewhere like the Innovation Depot. So, okay, here's how I did it actually. I like to go to busy locations, Innovation Depot, Crestline Bagel, Revelator, um, Coffee Shop, Red Cat Coffee Shop, places like that um like when i was at the depot i would just walk around if i seen someone with a cool logo or a cool name on their door i would knock on it and i would say hey guys you know i'm raheem i'm an animator here in the building you guys stuff look cool what do y'all do and just kind of come from again i guess just coming from a place of curiosity just kind of curious at what people do um so like i did that and then whenever i went to coffee shops or whatnot i would face i would work with my computer facing wherever people were walking in So when they come in they would look at my computer and some people would be like hey that's cool what are you working on and we would kind of talk that way Um, but yeah a lot of my stuff has just been like face to face and then on linkedin um and then you know you'll usually see networking events and if you see some you know just like go to it and usually try and just find somebody you know that you may know there and usually if you find someone that you know especially in birmingham they're going to say oh my friend raheem my friend jake I'm about to introduce you into to 10 other very important people. And that's so amazing about Birmingham
1: is that everybody
0: wants to if you're a good person and you deliver good work or if you're just trying like if people can even see that you're just trying. They're like, I want to help you. You know, so that's the biggest thing uh, is to just, you know, actually have something concrete, something you know serious, not just an idea that you are that you're working on. And, uh, you know, just just kind of connect with people and chat with them and they, they're going
1: to connect you that's really good advice one of the things that we um that we try to explain when we talk about networking and just the logic of networking is that you know many times you go out and you'll meet people and they're not the ones that can help you right then and there um mm-hmm. but they know somebody who's not there right at that moment who can help yeah. you right then and there and it's says second order that second level network you know, we, mm-hmm. we call it in research, the power of weak ties, you know? So if you go to a networking event and like I say, and the students come back and they're like, well, that was a waste of time. And you're like, no, it wasn't because if you met 20 people, each one of them knows 20 other people, you yeah. know, that's 20 times 20 who weren't there right now. And if you made an impression on the people you met, they may go and talk to that other person, you know, next week at another event where you're not going to be. Mm-hmm. And they, then you'll get an unexpected introduction with something that can really just change the whole course. of what you're building and what you're doing.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly.
1: exactly. That's great. Raheem Robinson, this has been an amazing conversation. Uh, I I think everybody listening is going to be very impressed by you and what you've done and what you've built and your team and everything else that you're offering. The impact that you're making is inspiring. And I want to thank you for all of the the perspective that you've given us as entrepreneurship educators, the authenticity and the curiosity and the patience and the uh, trends in the technology world and your approach mm-hmm. to networking has been really fantastic. We're going to go ahead and wrap up the show. But before I do, I want to see if there's anything you want to say that we didn't get to or any points you want to make or anything you want to leave us with.
0: Uh, I mean, I don't I don't have anything besides man. you know, just like just go at it from a uh, from a place of your passion you know, and, and let that lead you and, you know, you'll you'll never work and you'll always enjoy what you do. So just do that. You know, lay that brick every day or chop your tree and soon, you know, you'll see your success.
1: Amen to that. And to everybody listening, we're going to put Raheem's uh, company website and any other information that he wants to share with us. We will put that in the program notes. And uh, we want to thank you again, Raheem Robinson. Thank you to everybody you listening. All. And we will see you next time on the Existential Edge podcast.